Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Do you sometimes get that annoying pain in the back of your neck or maybe on your forehead? Well, that can be bad, but boy, if you've ever had a migraine, you understand what that means, and it can often be a lot worse. Well, today we are talking about migraine and headache. It's June, and June is Migraine and Headache Awareness Month, and I am pleased to be joined on the phone by Dr. Monique Canonico. She is subspecialty board certified in headache medicine, and she is at Kaiser Permanente, and we are going to demystify what are the different types of headaches, tension headaches, migraine headaches, what are the new treatments out there, and even discuss some of the natural ways that you might be able to prevent the likelihood of getting a headache. And this will be part one of our two-part special series on migraines and headaches. How can we not have them? And if we do have them, what's the best way to treat them? So thank you for joining me today, Dr. Monique. You're welcome, Dr. Kozak. Well, let's talk a little bit about headaches because a lot of people come in, they see their doctor, they say, I have a headache. But, you know, we don't really know exactly what the difference is between the different types of headaches. What's your classic description of just a standard headache that may not meet the criteria of a migraine, but bothersome enough, you wind up seeing a doctor? Yes. So one of the most common types is migraine. And uh, a lot of the patients will come in and and talk about this pain that is often unilateral or one-sided. And lights bother them, sounds bother them. It seems to be triggered perhaps by changes in weather or even fog. And they get nausea, sometimes vomiting. And occasionally before the actual headache starts, they will see some unusual visions, sparkly lights, or um, looking at somebody's face and part of it is missing. And that is a migraine with a visual aura um, in contradistinction to the one without the visual aura. The other big thing that we do see in the clinic is the patients will come in with just what we call a tension headache. And that will often start where the, the back neck muscles start to get really tight and you can see them actually we're sort of squinting, and they'll describe the pain as a hat band. It's also known as holocephalic, so that just means the whole head seems to be squeezing, and that's different from the migraine because the migraine is often described as a throbbing. So those are the two big, big things that I kind of look at when somebody's coming in. There are, of course, many other types, but diagnosis is really important. And so we will go through a big history and ask you all kinds of questions about what it's like because we want to classify it properly so we can treat it. So a lot of those symptoms really make a difference. You mentioned kind of two pretty broad differences in headaches, one side of your head versus both sides, throbbing sensation versus squeezing, tightening sensation. Which is more common? Do you see more of the tension headaches or the migraine headaches? So classically, the tension is described as the most common headache in the world. What we tend to see in the clinic is often more migraines, which are also very common, and 1 billion people have them worldwide and 39 million in the U.S. So those are usually the ones that we see because the severity is often worse, and that, by definition, puts it more into the migraine side of things. And then the other thing that helps me distinguish is I will ask the patient, 
do you get exertional exacerbation with your headache? Meaning, does the headache get worse if you walk upstairs or do something? And that actually throws it more into the migraine classification too. Hmm, that might explain why people say, I have a migraine, I need to go lay down. And right. I don't yeah. want to exert myself. Doing so makes me feel worse. Yep. But then the other funny thing that I've noticed is every time I ask the patient that, they go, I am so sick that I don't even think about walking upstairs or mm. moving around. So sometimes that question, while helpful, you know, they don't really go out and do some exercise when they have the headache. So it's not always the best um, way to discern. But it is uh, one of the classification criteria. So let's talk for a few minutes about tension headaches because they tend to be common. People may go see their primary care providers for that. They may not need advanced neurologic assistance in certain situations. What are the causes of tension headache? We talked about it starting maybe in the back of the neck. Does some of the ways that we're using computers or I'm guilty, you know, watching a movie on your cell phone, is our neck position having anything to do with that? Yes, that is definitely one of the triggers that we've noticed. Screen time being increased, particularly during COVID, brought out more tension headaches. And then also the lights from the computer screen can also trigger even just a tension headache. So that's one of the main things. Um, And also people tend to keep their stress in those trap muscles, those ones that are right above the shoulders that attach up to the base of the skull. And the increased stress from sitting at the computer and just stress in life is held back there. And then a lot of times they'll just have this headache that kind of comes forward. They say it starts, you know, in my neck area and it comes forward. And then that can be more consistent with the tension. Um, So positioning, definitely um, head trauma sometimes produces a phenotype of headache that is more tension. And so, yeah, those are, those are two of the main ones. Gives all new meaning to the term you're giving me a pain in my neck. Yeah, you really are. The stress is actually literally potentially provoking this kind of tension headache phenomena. Now, when people have that, do they tend to have like the warning sign? We talked a little bit with migraine, like the aura. You might see sparkles or you might see something else or see half of a face. That doesn't usually happen with tension headaches. Is that right? Right. By definition, if you're getting a visual aura, which is the most common kind of aura, that's going to put it into the migraine column. The tension headaches are going to start a little more with just sort of a basic, uh, they'll just say it's an ache, and it sometimes builds up throughout the day, and they'll often start reaching for, you know, medications to try to treat it. A massage may often decrease the pain, but what I've noticed is the massage is good for maybe a day or two, but then the headache sometimes comes back. Hmm. So if you get the massage and it helps you, is there some other type of physical therapy or do you need to take some of the medications to treat it? Right. So there actually was a recent study um, that looked at physical therapy, uh, looking at for uh, the actual tension headache. We have a type of headache called cervicogenic, and all that means is it comes from the neck and it goes up to a tension type headache. And there was a recent study looking at physical therapy, specifically targeted neck and releasing neck muscles, stretching, um, sometimes even dynamic stretching um, is helpful for tension headaches. So it's not always going to be the pill. That would be a good time when you say, oh, you know, I don't think you have a migraine. Um, let's maybe try some physical therapy on the neck. And we have some good data that shows that that could alleviate it. Well, and the nice thing is that that's safe. And if you can do this and learn how to do some of the stretches on your own, it could also be preventative 
I would think, Mm -hmm. that you could avoid even getting these headaches. Now, if you did wind up taking a medication, I know that what I often tell patients to do is before you go to strong prescription medicine, you might have something at home in your medicine cabinet that you could consider taking for it. And I usually suggest they reach for things like ibuprofen. Is that a good medicine when you're having a tension headache or should they reach for something else? Yes, classically, I agree. I usually tell them go go for something like ibuprofen or an anti-inflammatory, something even along the lines of naproxen or something um, which is a little stronger because it is a sterile inflammation and that'll often sort of cut it uh, cut it short and that's a great start for attention. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Monique Canonico about headaches and migraines. What's the difference? What can we do about it? And what are some of the latest treatments that have come out in just the last couple of years? We'll be right back. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and today I'm talking with Dr. Monique Canonico. She is subspecialty board certified in headache medicine, and she's from Kaiser Permanente, and we are talking today about the different types of headaches. It seems like everybody's getting a headache these days, but what are the different types, and how do we treat them to most effectively keep you from having it come back again and again? Well, right before the break, we were talking a little bit about tension headaches and different over-the-counter treatments that people can try for that and how that differentiates from migraine headaches. Now, you mentioned anti-inflammatories, this category of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories or NSAIDs. That includes things like naproxen or Aleve. It includes Advil or ibuprofen. What about some of the prescription version medication? If we were to think about somebody who needs to treat their tension type headache with something even stronger, what sort of medicines might their doctors be reaching for? Well, you know, at that point, if they haven't responded to anti-inflammatories, and I think that they're primarily tension headaches, I actually will um, look more towards, is there perhaps a muscle component that is bidirectionally triggering this? And so I do sometimes uh, look at some of the muscle relaxants uh, if they're a younger person. Sometimes we don't like to try those so much in the elderly patients. And I'll just use a little bit of a low-dose muscle relaxant at bedtime I've had really good success with that uh, either acutely, meaning when they get it, or even as a little bit of a preventive. So looking at the muscles, too, for the tension headache as well as the PT can be really helpful. Well, and as you mentioned, massage and physical therapy directly work on those muscles. So taking a muscle relaxant may also be helpful in that situation. So let's move a little bit to migraine headaches because I often consider that that sort of and and I don't certainly don't want to minimize tension headaches, but I find that for those folks who have had migraines, that's a whole new level of pain. And it just, it's bad enough for certain folks that they do require expert help because nothing I've done has helped them. Do you find that 
people who describe if they've ever had both, do they change or do they think the migraine is more severe? Or could you wind up actually having tension headaches just as bad as a migraine? Right. You can sometimes have both, but characteristically, I've noticed most patients will usually be kind of in one category or another. And often the treatment overlaps. And so while it's very important to get the diagnosis, sometimes we try the same treatments as we do for tension if they have migraines. So one of the most important things I wanted to bring up for your audience was if they are going to see a provider about their headaches, to have a little diary that they bring in. And it's so crucial to me because people often under or overestimate frequency and really a cornerstone of understanding headache and treating it is having a diary. And I am fine if they have a piece of paper that they've written it on. There is also a really great app that a lot of my patients think is super easy, even if you have a headache. They go on their phone and it's called Migraine Buddy, B-U-D-D-Y. And that is a really good app for just keeping track of it. So when you go in, you are armed with data. You know, look how often this headache is happening. It is impacting daily activity and how can you help? That's a really great suggestion, you know, because a lot of times, you're right, sometimes we look back and if you were to ask me what I did exactly four weeks ago today, I'd have a hard time thinking about it. But if I had it written down, I'd be able to say, you know, how many headaches do you get in a month? Okay, so this is, I put it on my app and I've had seven of those and this, yeah. these are the days. And, you know, particularly in some cases for women, they can also track their cycle and that might also relate to some of their migraine symptoms and be a nice way to integrate those two together and say, hey, maybe the treatment is a little a little different than we thought. So there's other opportunities to really look at other behavior that might be happening around the same time. Exactly. And as you note, if they have had both tension or migraine, they will often say that the, the migraine is much more severe. And by definition, you know, with our classifications system with the International Headache Society, it really is a moderate to severe headache. And that is another item from the history that pushes me more into the migraine column and can really drive targeted therapy. So the classic migraine you mentioned would be on one side. It would potentially have an aura for some people, maybe a visual aura, maybe a smell or some other type of warning sign. What, do, what should someone do if they're starting to get this kind of migraine headache? Is there something they can do right at the very beginning when it starts, maybe even when they have the aura? What are the best ways to try and avert it from becoming the big migraine? Is there something they can do? Often they will reach for what they have, and if it's early in the phases of it, just a simple medication over-the-counter like Excedrin or Excedrin migraine, which has a little caffeine in it, those can be quite effective. Most of my patients don't say that Tylenol does anything, and so I don't typically recommend they try it because usually they already have and it hasn't. But Excedrin migraine would be the one thing to reach for over-the-counter. However, often, as you know, it's ineffective. And so that's when we really want to move to, well, maybe we could try something along the lines of naproxen. Sometimes that works for patients, but often it doesn't. So now we're getting into what I call rescue optimization, super important part of migraine management, which is getting this patient the best thing that works the most quickly. So this does not go into a four-day ordeal. And that would put us really in the treatment column of, you know, prescription meds that are targeted for migraine rescue. 
And let's talk about some of the rescues because I think they've they've sort of expanded over the years. Way back when I was in school, which is far too long ago, I remember we were talking a lot about triptans. You know, Imitrex had just come out. They had a nasal spray. They had an injection. They had a pill. And we now have a whole class of medications called triptans. And that may be someone's initial rescue medicine, but not the only one these days. Why do triptans work? What do they do? And why why did we like them so much for so long? They were, as you note, back when I was in residency, which was a similar time, it was a miracle for many patients, and they, they target specifically a serotonin receptor. It's a subtype of it, and it, they can be wonderful for many patients. I think an important part is many people have tried what you had mentioned, which was the sumatriptan or the imitrex, and some of them don't respond. But just if you, if you don't respond to one, you can always flip in the same category. So I call them cousins of sumatriptan, and we have all these other ones Narotriptan, elotriptan, and when I specifically look to use those, if they have not responded to trip, triptans, you don't have to completely abandon that category. They could go into a different, a cousin of sumatriptan, which has a longer half-life, and it will basically make the headache stay away. So I just got off the phone with a patient who was having a severe headache. It responded very well to suma yesterday. The sumatriptan worked great. But guess what happened? Today, she woke up, same migraine is there with the visual aura, the nausea, she's, you know, in bed. And so my plan for her is to not abandon the category because it does work, but she got what we call recurrence. And now we are going to look to maybe use a different triptan with a longer mechanism of action. And that's something that they could talk to their provider about. Many of them are generic and easily uh, available. So don't discount all the triptans if one didn't work. So that's a great suggestion. Try a different triptan. You mentioned maybe a longer-acting one. How many different there, – there's got to be at least five or six different triptans these days, right? Right. I think there's oh – my goodness, there's probably, yeah, seven. I can't even remember how many triptans we actually have. The problem is, as you know, even if we sometimes try a longer one, they don't always respond to those. And then that's when, again, we're looking to optimize – their rescue, and I will switch categories. It is a great time to be a headache doctor because we have so many new rescues out there and just a lot a lot of tricks in the bag now. And so we have a new category, which is called the G-Pants, G-E-P-A-N-T, and those target a very specific protein in that whole trigeminal cascade that is basically a bunch of proteins that are elaborated during the migraine. And these block calcitonin gene-related peptide, again, a very targeted therapy for rescue. And the patient can reach for this if the triptan doesn't work or if they have some reason they can't take the triptan. And the G-pants, G-E-P-A-N-T-S, are another exciting category if they fail the triptans. And then we also have another one called the DITAN, D-I-T-A-N, and those target a different type of serotonin receptor than the triptans, and they are also worthwhile trying if somebody, say, has migraines and heart disease. You know, you, you really don't want to prescribe the triptans if they have that, but this new category, um, it's opening up uh, the ability to still stimulate our serotonin receptor, but not cause the constriction down of the vessels. 
And so patients who have coronary disease can be potentially tried on the DITANS. And those are some new rescue agents that I've had some great success with. So it's really exciting that we have other things to reach for if the triptans don't work. Fascinating. And I love the names, the G-pants. G-pants? You know, maybe that's something that you need to treat your headache. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will come right back and we will demystify a little bit more of the treatment. We're going to talk about these CGRP blockers and also the DITANs and why people with heart disease need to make sure that they're not taking the triptans without consulting with their doctor because there could be some interactions. We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I am here with Dr. Monique Canonico on the line, and she is subspecialty board certified in headache medicine at Kaiser Permanente. And right before the break, we were talking about some of the latest new innovations in the world of migraine treatment. And we mentioned that, and I want to emphasize that, with heart disease, the traditional triptans, not such a good idea. You mentioned that there's a different type of medication, the ditans that can be used in that particular group of folks. Why can't we use triptans in people with heart disease? Yeah, so one of the big things with the triptans is it does cause eventually the vasoconstriction or basically clamping down of the vessels. And of course, somebody with heart disease, we don't want to bring that out. So we have actually fashioned the medications now that it'll target a different subcategory of the um, serotonin receptor, and this does not cause any known vasoconstriction. And in a lot of the patients who, you know, because sometimes headaches get worse after menopause or they're in their 70s, I have a lot of patients who still have migraines, and they're getting the classic migraines with the visual aura, and it's still ongoing, but they have heart disease, so what do we do? So it's basically because this doesn't involve any vasoconstriction. And so that's a nice category to think about in somebody who has had a stroke or has a history of heart disease. Well, and it's definitely essential. It sounds like it's more like a selective serotonin medication as opposed to... Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to hitting all the serotonin receptors. And as we get older, these are the medical conditions that tend to crop up. Heart problems, history of stroke, those sorts of issues. You mentioned something interesting. Not everybody grows out of their migraines. I know that a lot of folks still experience these throughout all of their decades of life. So although some people were told when you get older, you might not have it, not always the case. It sounds like that's something that still could be an issue for folks. And the best plan is to get good treatment as soon as you can and continue to take that so you don't have to suffer. Right. And if they're happening frequently, which by definition, the headaches that are occurring 15 days out of the month for longer than three months, that is classified as chronic migraine. And that definitely needs to be treated with a prevention. So I always tell the patients there's cornerstones of therapy. You're of course going to identify your dietary triggers you know, look at your sleep patterns, make sure you're hydrating. My patients all come in with a huge hydro flask. I think they're drinking more than they possibly could even put in their, you know, stomach. So I think they do a good job 
on the hydration. And, you know, they've tried the rescue, um, but they are still getting the chronic headaches. It's greater than 15 days a month. They're losing their jobs. It's just it's unbelievable the impact that it has. So that's when we really want to target prevention. And it's better to start it earlier rather than later because it's basically a process of chronification. And the more headaches you get, the more headaches you get. And the other big item is I always ask about how often are they using over-the-counter rescue medications because we want to make sure that they're not in medication overuse headache, which just means they're taking Tylenol, aspirin, Aleve, Motrin, or something every day because they have a headache every day. And that is actually leading to more headaches. It can be an endless cycle. So that's another important feature to be looked at. Make sure they're not using it every day because it could actually trigger the headaches. Another fantastic point to emphasize because, you know, for those folks who find that they're, if they don't, now if they don't take their daily medication, they get the headaches. It is something that can result in almost this rebound phenomena where in order to control your headache, you have to take more medicine for headache. Do you ever see that in those cases, people have the accelerating doses that are required to treat the headache now? Do we see, you know, I can take an over-the-counter ibuprofen. Now I've got to do prescription. Now I've got to do two prescription. Do we see that increase to get the same effect over time? Yes, there is some tolerance that we notice and... The old school thinking on medication overuse headache was we have to completely detoxify them off of all the Motrin and Tylenol, and they have to go completely off for a couple weeks before we can start anything new. But the new thinking really is that if the patient is in medication overuse headache, meaning taking what you just said, you know, a lot of Tylenol every day and Motrin and leave and things are going crazy and they're seeing their provider, we don't necessarily have to get them completely out of rebound before the medication can work because we have these really targeted therapies. So I just tell them, look, we're really going to try to decrease it. You really shouldn't be taking these over-the-counter rescue medicines any more than two or three times a week. But we can implement the treatment with either natural supplements and or prescription preventives while they're still in rebound. The headaches will actually decrease in frequency and then that they'll get out of rebound. And then by that time, hopefully the preventive medication will start to work. Well, and it certainly sounds complicated, but I agree that telling somebody their lifeline is something we have to take away is a very difficult proposition. So this is another reason to encourage them if they're having these types of problems to check with their provider because they may just need some of this extra coverage to get rid of the headaches so they don't need as much of the medicine and then slowly take the medication away as much as possible. Now, we've talked a little bit about, and and I think maybe in our part too. We'll talk a little more about the CGRP blockers. That's a whole new category I remember hearing about maybe about three or four years ago when it first came out. And boy, I've got some folks who do fantastic on that. So I want to make sure that we have plenty of time to cover that. And we'll also talk a little bit about some of the other potential treatments that are out there, things that people may not have heard of that could be devices or even over-the-counter supplements and things that might help them with headaches and some of the symptoms they're having. 
For folks who aren't aware, June is Migraine and Headache Awareness Month, and we are currently doing a part one of two with Dr. Monique Canonico. She is subspecialty board certified in headache medicine. That's happened new since the last time we spoke. Isn't that right? Yes, I did sit for the boards, and um, it's really been just a wonderful experience. I tend to go to a conference once a year and, you know, keep updated. And like I said, it's a really exciting time to be a migraine doc because we have some new tools in our box. Well, and we are going to talk some more about those tools. So I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us today. And when we come back next week, we're going to talk some more about what some of the new treatments for migraines are so that it is an exciting time to be a migraine specialist. And you certainly have learned a lot and are sharing your expertise with us. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. Follow the links to The Body Show. You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will see you next week as we continue our discussion with Dr. Monique Canonico from Kaiser Permanente about headaches, migraines, and more. We'll see you next Monday right here on The Body Show. 